0: Let us begin.
1: Saucy sources.
0: Saucy sauces.
1: Sourcing your sharing. Last episode, we spoke about digital gardens and note-taking and do you want to share notes? When do you share notes? And we riffed a little bit on citations, references, sources, what sources you use. Um, Yeah. Yeah. John, I'll let you speak before I rant. (laughs) Yeah, sure.
0: So this episode is probably going to be a quieter one for me because my context is very, very different um, because my everything I'm going to say about sourcing or sharing comes from context, which is obviously what we started speaking about last, you know, at the end of yesterday, uh, uh, last session, whatever, last week. So sourcing your business advice is the, is the way I'm going to come from. And it's ensuring that when you're, whether you are sharing business advice, support, ideas, etc., or whether you are looking for business advice, being aware of where you're coming from is incredibly important when you're, when you're, um, figuring stuff out so from a business perspective being able to see the sources of information being able to see where these ideas have developed from is where for a business from a business perspective it's really really helpful um, to be able to know the context of where people are coming from and just to avoid diving into what sources mean because that's in a bit but that for me is where sourcing your sharing is really important <clears throat> in less of like go show me an academic paper of where you got these ideas from and ranging from where what is your train of thought where did you come up with this like where is your train of thought and where did you come up with this how did you come to this conclusion if for example, the the social network or whatever it's called, there's a lot of discussion around fake news and ideas and stuff like that. I didn't think I was going to go this way, but I am. But like the way that society is is kind of going is that there's only one answer or the other answer and you're on two sides of an extreme. And it's like, I feel that sources and sourcing allows this to just come together again so that human beings can go back to just being humans. Because sources are different where you source your information from. In business advice in general, it provides a different context. And if more people shared their sources, they would have a better idea of context, which means people would have more understanding. And Those are three words we're covering. Whoa.
1: I didn't even have to do the whole rant. Like, that. that's literally like half the rant. You're welcome. Yes, yes, that's why I let and you. Go no, so,
0: so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, so when it comes to fake fake news and the rest of it, a lot of uh, what what is classified as as fake news is news that either isn't cited, isn't sourced, or people just don't believe in it. Uh, now, knowledge is a form of belief because you can't fact check everything because a lot of it is perspective and a lot of it relies on context so the fake news most of the time is just where someone has said something they have an opinion they've shared an opinion they've shared a perspective in a specific context and that has been blown out of proportion sorry the Feynman technique. Yes, yes, the Feynman technique. Um, and, and it's blown out of proportion. <laughs> uh, and and the, the citations, the quality of citations is where I'm, I'm going to sort of expand this a little bit because having citations is great. Adding citations and references and sources is great. But if they are pants, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help. It may make you look smart, But it doesn't help.
0: You're going to define what is a pant citation, right?
1: Yeah, I was about to go there. So when it it comes to a lot of the sources that are put out there, they are blogs or articles. And if they are blogs and articles all from the same perspective... Then the sources are, are essentially useless because what you're basically doing is putting your you're reaffirming a confirmation bias. You're reaffirming a biased perspective, which is great for supporting that one side, that one narrative, that one belief. But again, that could be completely fake news because you've only got support of the thing. There is no critique of whatever it is that's going on. So if you only cite sources that have the same perspective, i.e. the same political perspective, religious perspective, or business perspective, academic perspective, even if it's just like the same research field, There can be inside that field a university or an institution that all have one belief, one perspective, one field of knowledge about something, and they just cite it. So you could have 20 sources, all of them supporting this one thing, but actually one source, and this is going into Veritasium's video, uh, it was quite a while ago now, um, but in in physics, there are loads of things that are shared and the rest of it. But if you've got one source that actually says, no, that's wrong, and it is factually wrong, physics is a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, concrete but if you've got that one source that goes actually no you're all completely wrong well those 20 sources are pants they're completely useless because they all essentially say the same thing so 20 sources turn into one source and one unreliable source because they're all citing the same thing the same bias they're supporting the same narrative so when citing sources look for sources that are contradicting one another as well as supporting one another But when you look at those sources, how did the source come to be a source? Why is it just a one-person opinion? Is it a five-person opinion? Is there a study, i.e. an empirical study behind what it is that's going on or did someone just say, hey I read this thing in a book that someone apparently said this, so I'm going to make up this thing and call it after them. I'm citing the Feynman technique right now. Uh, And then I'm going to write a book about it and then I'm going to sell that book. And now the Feynman technique is going to be talked about all over the place and it's great but there's no studies that support the Feynman technique but when you take it out of context out of the Feynman technique context there is loads of support for teaching and learning but that's not the Feynman technique the Feynman technique is different uh so there is support for what's going on but not how it's being shared and not the sources that they're using so you and, and this is where it becomes very difficult when looking at something because What they're saying could be false, but there could be a part of it that is true, and it's finding the truth in the sources that is very difficult, and my personal way to go looking for it is looking at academic articles first, because that's my personal preference anyway, and finding a primary source a primary source being defined as an empirical study or a meta-analysis of multiple opinions with critique and synthesis. Yes, it's still going to be biased, but critique and synthesis to give you a fuller understanding of the context. I will let you speak.
0: So <clears throat> how can, from, from from another perspective, like, how can you become more aware of your sources if you have limited time? So like, and this is something that I'm experiencing now as I dive deeper into academic research, you know, the planning fallacy is one I've been doing recently and I'm like 66 pages of like, wow, these are all contradicting each other. And it's quite fascinating and it it allows you to really understand that. In the interest of saving time, because let's face it, we've got a deadline to create content. How can you be more... How can you be better at sourcing without spending basically all of your time sourcing?
1: The the easiest way to do it, which isn't always the most fail-safe, is to find what you would class and see as reliable people, Uh, whether they are people that you know are likely to do their due diligence in what it is that they are saying and At some point, you need to make assumptions, but assume that what they have said has some sort of backing behind it. And maybe even because if they do, in my opinion, if you're if you're following someone and you're believing someone, they are going to be citing their sources or at least mentioning where they have found something. So if you believe them, if you trust what they say, we've we've gone over trust. You can just look at a couple of things. And if it suggest if it supports what they're suggesting, then. Cool. they have said this trustworthy thing before i have researched this thing before i trust this person i will believe them yes there is still going to be some criticisms backwards and forwards with it but it's an easy way to have a a handful of people that are not always the same not always the same people they could be contradic- tra- contradictory, contradictory um, and get a handful of people that you trust because you have seen their prior work or you have tested their prior work in some way critiqued it in some way and you're going to okay yes And another way to sort of like double check that is if if the person when they are talking is acknowledging nuance, is acknowledging context, you know that they are aware enough and open enough to talk about things that may contradict their own work. And that's for me as a self check for trusting, because if they contradict their own work or they give you a potential other answer, whatever it is that they're saying, there must be a reason that they're saying it because they're acknowledging that they may be wrong. Does that make sense?
0: yeah so as a content creator how can you add more acknowledgement of the need, of the kind of nuance without your videos becoming longer because that's the question it's like <clears throat> especially for my context because what i talk about isn't physics it's not factual it's emotional and so there is no there is infinite amounts of nuance and what's happened in my content over the time is like the videos are getting longer and longer and longer as I incorporate more nuance into what I'm saying. However, at the same time, there is a point of like diminishing returns. When is that point to you? And although I completely absolutely agree with every single word you say in real terms, how can we add more nuance into our work without it becoming harder to follow?
1: Great question. My personal approach when it comes to creating content is... I create a narrative in the video that includes context. So I build in constraints uh, following coaching method, constraints led approach to coaching. I build in constraints with the way I build the narrative. So if I'm talking in a sporting context and that's the narrative I have created, I will use an analogy in a sporting context. Then if people want to go outside of that sporting context, then they know they need to change that constraint. So anything that I say, After, after I have made that constraint, I will relate it to a sporting specific example. So if I'm talking about sport, I will say coach, I will say player, I will say the sport, I will say equipment. If I'm talking about business, I will use business specific context. So I've built a constraint and then the narrative I'm explaining, I use the affordances in that specific constraint And what that allows me to do when I'm explaining things is have a very narrow context. And for those that go outside of that, I I can then, it's up to me, but I can then say outside of sports, you could say this, that, and the other, and just give them a couple of examples of where that could differ. So player, that could be client, coach, that could be owner, Um, and, and try and make those links so they don't have to try so hard in their mind, working memory, to create those links if they are in different contexts but it gives them a little bit of perspective from the context that I'm talking in the narrative I'm talking in the sources I can use. Cause even though the sources I'm using, maybe from sports coaching, if I've given them that link to a different narrative, they can just change the change the people and it gives them the freedom. If they do want to have a look at the sources to read the paper in their context, but I'm still sourcing my narrative. So I'm not, giving out fake news because it's just the narrative I've built. Does that that answer the question? So
0: so you were talking about kind of the different context. How small should your context be? Because obviously business, I mean, sports coaching is pretty, it's big from my understanding, but business is kind of a little bit bigger. So Mm -hmm. how do you create the kind of right size, and the right size of constraint? Like, how do you do that? How can you do that in a way that provides context to as many people as possible? Because YouTube is a massive online public space where when you're trying to develop content, views and volume is important, but also providing the context outside of that. Like, how do you, how do you balance that?
1: I think that the best example would be the individuals on YouTube that are doctors. They are doctors. <laughs> <laughs> They are doctors. Yeah. They they are doctors. uh, And they say that they are doctors. But from a constraints perspective, they don't talk in a narrative where they speak as if they are a doctor. They speak as a student. They are a student. But they speak in the student context and they don't put constraints on what it is that they are saying. They say, students. No, wrong. Doctor students. Medical students, and if they don't use those words, they're not putting in the constraint. So the assumption for people consuming is, oh, this applies to all students. Wrong, yeah. it doesn't most of the time. Um, but you have to know the constraint that they are not putting in. Which, as a consumer, if if you're not if you're not aware of the constraints that they are omitting, well, now there's a narrative there that they have put out. So when talking about business, if you say business, okay, that's applies to all business. If you say um, software business developing business whatever area of business and then again use specific examples in that context in that business context adding in a couple of words to build out the constraints to allow for the affordances in that constraint to be understood then when people are listening to that they can apply elsewhere Uh, and with the the doctor analogy and health health is another massive area okay, health, is that physical health? Is it, If it is physical health, is that physiotherapy? Is that strength and conditioning? Is that personal training? Is that being a doctor? Because they are all different professions that all work on different elements of physical health. So if you're talking about physical health, what context are you talking in? Are you talking as a strength and conditioning coach, as a coach developer, as a doctor, as a, um, a GP? Because GPs and doctors are slightly different. They are in different contexts. They work with different people. So building up those contexts allows the sources to be more applicable because there are constraints put on the narrative being used. Uh, And then with the sources, what what was the reason the source was put there? So some sources are put there because of credibility. I want to make it look like I know what I'm talking about. There's a video I'm thinking about in mind where they had a title of the video and they had procrastination in the title. But the source they cited said precrastination which is a different word, it's a completely different article, it talks about a different topic, but they cited that paper. Yes, there is a relation, but there are, there is a, a very loose relation, so the source didn't back up what was going on in the context, but there was still a relation. If you understood, if there was a level of understanding between the two things... But that's making too many assumptions, in my opinion, for the video to really carry weight in notability or verifiability because you can't verify what the individual was saying in the video because the source doesn't support anything that was being said because it's about a different topic. But if you add a constraint in and say, okay, I'm talking about procrastination, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in a different context, this one, this is the study. This is what they found. We can relate it like this. So they have built in a context with constraints and affordances for the source. So they've made the source useful. Otherwise, they're just adding in a source with no direction as to why it's useful. Uh, and then something else to add there is how, how was the source actually made? Where did it come from? What, what was the point of the study? Because some studies that people cite, the abstract has come to a conclusion, but the conclusion has been manipulated by the methods so you can look at the methods of a study methods of research methods of what's going on and the method actually contradicts the interpretation someone's interpretation of the conclusion that's been made so someone could look at something and go oh that's your conclusion that must mean this thing well actually the methods already contradict what you're saying because they haven't read the source which again that's going like another step further so how do you then check for that that's very, very difficult, and the way I do it is just find people that you know from past experience. Look at those things. I, See, that I realize sounds I like an for awful a while. Of it. I'm,
0: I'm playing devil's advocate today, because yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be where I yeah. need to be. Um, but that seems like an awful lot of work for a five-minute, you know, 10, 15-minute YouTube video.
1: Mm-hmm. But that is... Personally, I think that's the responsibility people have when they are sharing educational information for the purpose of educating. If your purpose is to educate or to give advice, especially on health-related issues, I think it needs to be justified, notable, and in some cases, most cases in my opinion, neutral to some extent. There needs to be as as the least amount of bias as possible in the video in the article yes share opinions by all means share anecdotal experiences because they are useful user experience are useful but make it clear and obvious that it is your experience it is not the norm because it probably isn't the norm
0: (laughs) because so so i have a question to follow on from that one Mm -hmm. you've had an experience yourself where you just provided information but it didn't provide a conclusion Like, Mm -hmm. I think there was like, well, well, so what do I do? Do I sleep or do I not? Like, what about like, because you're, depending on your context, a relationship is around on YouTube. It's like a relationship with your audience. If you're not giving the audience what they want, which is a conclusion, then like, how do you balance that? Because that's really complicated and really
1: nuanced. (laughs) It is uh another good question when it comes to conclusions in science there isn't and and it's something that irritates me about uh how science is portrayed online by a lot of people they think oh this research says this this science says this this is the conclusion they had and they take the really contextualized specific sample specific i.e we did 20 people in this con- most of the time. We took 20 students uh, and we did this study on this day and this time. And we found this thing great. And this is the conclusion. And then they put, there's a massive discussion section in the paper that says, well, if you're in this context, it's this, if this context is that, this limitations here, this limitations there. But people jump to the conclusion and they just take the one or two line sentence, uh, but the conclusion to the study is for the study and for the study alone, not for everyone. So a conclusion in my mind is a, a conclusion for the study. And then the conclusion overall is what you would do on averages in your context, averages in your environment, ad- averages in your, in your constraints, because like, like we said in the last episode with the bell curve, the, the median, the people in the middle, there's loads of them, the, the median, the people in the median, are going to be different every context so you might have a load a million of people here but then when you change the context very slightly those millions of people have now been split now right right on the ends uh so you're not going to be in the middle for every context so you need to be able to contextualize whatever it is that is being sourced whatever it is that's being spoken about and you can't do that if the conclusion of something is for a context that you're not in because most people aren't students at university doing a study because they've been told to by their friend.
0: so but doesn't isn't that the responsibility of the listener reader watcher rather than the person creating
1: you could put that responsibility on the listener but if you put the responsibility on the listener one they need to understand what they're looking for why they're looking for it and where to go and they need to have access to it and like you said it creates a lot of friction for the listener to be able to do that thing be able to do that stuff um like, like you said like most people don't want to watch a 10 minute video and then go research the video for the next three hours to make sure what they said was true they just want to listen to it and go okay thanks i'll, I'll move on now um, so you could put the responsibility on the reader but i don't think that's very uh, I, I i don't think many people would do the due diligence and do the research, which is where I think the responsibility, therefore, needs to be on the people sharing information, or, or at least being open and explicit with where the information is coming from. Because if it is an opinion, they need to be an explicit, they need to be explicit and say, This is my opinion, this is my experience. If you say research says, and then don't cite it. Then it's an opinion. It's not research says. If you say science supports and then don't cite it, science hasn't supported it. It might have, and you might have read science that supported it. But you haven't re- You haven't put anything there that I can verify and say, yes, science did actually say that. Yes, I'm one of those people that will go and fact check it. And I hate it when people say science says they cite articles and the, and the science literally says the opposite of what they said. I'm like, no, you said that to make yourself sound smart. Uh, <laughs> really big pet peeve of mine. So... I don't think it's, I don't think there's a problem with people just sharing information. But if you're not going to cite it, don't say it's science backed or it's researched and be explicit and say, this is my opinion. This isn't like factual in any way. Uh, and that I think is a responsibility of people that are sharing information online.
0: That's better.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the, I think the, the one thing I do want to kind of like add in there just a little bit for like a responsibility on the creator's end yes that's more work but when you look at what teachers do what lecturers do what academics do they have done degrees they have done loads of loads of research loads of experience people doing phds no loads of stuff not just related to the phd A misconception (laughs) um and those people are very 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 educated so literally if you don't know go talk to someone like It's not difficult. In my opinion, it's not that difficult to find someone online that knows more about something than you do. And if you don't know about something and you want to do a video or want to share an article about something, contact them, talk to them, say you're interested, because most people that have researched something want to talk about it. Like, I, I want to talk about what I research. Most people don't care about what I research, but I want to talk about it. <laughs> like, if, if you reach out to someone that is researching something that you're interested in, Ask them, because nine times out of 10, they will be thrilled to nerd out and talk about the thing to you. Uh, So if you don't know, just ask.
0: So how would you go about asking? Let's say that I'm researching something and I want to talk to them. You know, how do you go about doing that?
1: A few different steps. The first thing that I would look at is who do you actually want to ask for me, I would I would go to researchers that have done meta analysis, because most of the time people that have done meta analysis normally have other papers that they've done. Um, but it also means that they've had to look at a lot, <laughs> a lot of the studies so they are gonna have a good idea of what's going on so you can go into the if you're academics anyway you can go into the academic paper find the individual find their institution either send them an email say i'm interested in learning this thing and if they can't contact you there is probably going to be someone else in the department a student that they are teaching or a piece somewhere that they have written that will explain it so even if it's not you're talking to that person you're talking to a person that knows probably one of the better sources to go to to find what's going on. So instead of having to look through like 30 papers, you just go to one that you know is high quality. Um, The other way of doing it when you're looking online, blogs, articles, creators, I would try and find a creator that has, again, some sort of trustworthy profile uh, that you can look at and go, okay, yes, I I can somewhat trust this person and then reach out to them and reaching out to someone is like a whole topic in itself, I think. <laughs> uh, but, but reach out to them with sincere curiosity. If, if you are curious about something, most of the time people are willing to help. Most, most people default to helping. They are, So this is in psychology. You may know this. People are less likely to say no. Like if you ask someone, they are less likely to say no. Um, like, if you ask someone in a question in person, less likely to say no. Ask someone in person on a Zoom call, less likely to say no compared to when over email, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can, get on a call and ask them a question. Uh, if you can't, then just ask them questions. But if you ask questions with sincere curiosity, people are less likely to say no because you are asking them to do a favor. And this is just a bias in human, human willingness to help most of the time. Tendencies.
0: So how would you how do you go about finding meta-analysis? Because this is something that I'm trying to do myself now. It's like, how would you go about finding a meta-analysis for a certain topic? Because obviously I've literally just tested it right now of going meta-analysis of the planning fallacy. Loads of stuff comes up, but nothing specific about the planning fallacy. So how do you know what is, what? how do you find it?
1: Are are we talking as a surface researcher, researcher, or someone that is genuinely interested in the thing?
0: Okay, now we're going genuine. That's that's <laughs> my question.
1: Yeah, going to, because like, there are two potential. For everyone answers. else, I
0: don't care. I just want to
1: know. there are two potential answers to this. One of this, one of the answers is extremely academic, uh, and the other one is general. So we'll go with the general answer first. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for a meta-analysis on a topic. Most of the time it needs to be quite specific in the topic if you're looking for a meta-analysis because articles that are researched, a meta-analysis will look at potentially thousands of papers. And just as an example, relative age effect is an extremely nuanced effect in youth sport development. I, uh, so the Wikipedia article, I have done a uh, a few hours of research i have over 100 papers um, that have been referenced in the relative age effect but i have another 300 papers on the relative age effect in youth sport in just football in the uk so you could do a meta-analysis of relative age effect in uk football that that's how specific you potentially need to be when looking for a meta-analysis as a general term so if you're looking for a meta-analysis on a topic Good luck trying to find one, and if you do find one, it's probably going to be biased. So instead of looking for a meta-analysis on a topic, uh, I would probably try and find a review article on a topic because the review article most of the time is going to be quite long, (laughs) uh, but it's going to go through all the different sections and you will be able to find either a meta-analysis on a section you're interested in, because they've cited it, or another review paper on something that you're interested in. And again, they can then go into the specific areas which will give you the meta-analysis. Does that answer that bit?
0: I think so. So what's the difference? Just for context, what's the difference Hmm. between a review and a meta-analysis? Because we do need to put some...
1: Yeah, got some... Yeah, constraints in there. So a a review article, most of the time, sometimes there are meta analysis that are spoken about as reviews, but most of the time a review article is where people, either a group, like a team, uh, or a couple of authors, look over all of the research, very similar to the meta-analysis. They look over all of the research, but they don't do any specific statistical analysis of methods or things found. They just share specific trends uh, or interpretations or misinterpretations or narratives they have built up around the literature that they understand and that they need so it's more of a uh, an opinionated piece a lot of the time they try and be neutral but there is still bias because there's people writing it it's more of an opinionated piece from the research that they understand giving their critiques and synthesis in a paper in sections so you could have multiple sections summarizing a topic with critiques and synthesis using their narrative whereas a meta-analysis should be, isn't always, should be more statistical in nature. So there is a method where they have gone into all of the papers with constraints and they have said we are going to include these papers for these specific reasons and look at the trends and statistical numbers, whether there is significance or not in these specific metrics of these papers. So for example, they could say we're not going to include papers that their methods had less than 20 people in their sample size because they don't want that that sort of sample size. Uh, they could say, we don't want uh, articles that are using this specific methodology to measure this metric because we don't think this measure is any good. Um, again, you can then bias the meta-analysis statistics by changing the constraints uh, in the stats, which some people do. But a general rule of thumb, if it's been peer-reviewed and a lot of people are citing the meta-analysis, they probably haven't done that because it probably coincides. So you'll have a review article, you read the review article, you can look at a meta-analysis of the topic area. And if they agree, if they cite one another, most of the time they're going to... They're going to be right, whatever right is true. There's going to be some element of truth uh, to what it is that they're saying because you have a review article that is normally opinionated, a meta analysis that is typically more statistically led. uh, And if they both agree, you're probably along the right track. But again, there's no conclusion in science. There is just a general consensus at the time because a year may go by someone does a a research study and then suddenly oh everything we thought we knew is is either potentially wrong or, or we need to have a look at this methods why did why did this happen did they cheat it did they bias it like what's going on but these are the arguments that happen in academics so don't don't bother worry don't bother worrying about that just worry about finding things that agree with one another that are verifiable like meta-analysis and review articles does that answer the question yeah
0: yeah yes now in the interest of not going down one heck of a rabbit hole (laughs) and looking at our time which is limited Mm -hmm. um, it might be a good idea to shift our conversation to this week's word and I, I, I
1: guess before we move on to that i do want to ask just like for feedback for, for people that are listening i am i'm heavy in academics um and i know academic papers are not fun to like read through and reference as someone that is an academic uh and just as like a a little bit of an opinion uh but also a little bit of a if you do go to an academic paper don't just read the abstract <laughs> it's great to just read the abstract but if you can access it go abstract conclusion discussion introduction then methods don't bother reading the introduction before you've read the conclusion because it's just a waste of time
0: uh, <laughs> that is incredibly valuable <laughs> thank you very much
1: <laughs> it, it's it's just a waste of time um because the introduction and most of the time is summarizing the literature review which if you've read one paper or know something about the topic anyway you're just going to be repeating information which is great but it doesn't help you go abstract to get an idea of what the paper is about go to conclusion see what they found If it's interesting, then go to the discussion. How did they get there? What's going on? then go to the introduction, find out the background, then look at the methods. Okay, what's going on? Because at some point in there, most of the time, you would be like, actually, nah, this isn't for me. Uh, So it's going to save you time going through reading those papers. And if a blog is formatted in a similar format, I would do the same thing. If there is a conclusion, I will always jump to the conclusion uh, and skip the main body.
0: Fantastic.
1: So let's move into our
0: word of this week and this time you'll explain what this section is all about
1: we talk about the meaning behind words why (laughs) Uh, so basically i had a note in my system that said uh meaning meanings are in people not words because everyone has a different perspective of what they think a word means which as we spoke about in this episode quite a lot actually context matters and meanings are very very personalized so having a a somewhat con, uh, sort of like uh, agreed upon consensus of a meaning helps communication so what we do is we explore our different meanings person so John and I have got a notion page up one says uh, one one page says Danny which is me one page says Jonathan which is the other guy across the screen that's old um and uh, we have five points in there where we explore our personal meaning of a word and then we compare and contrast sometimes we agree sometimes uh, there's a little bit of conversation that goes on because we we don't necessarily disagree but there's different perspectives and we urge you to to engage in this conversation maybe add a perspective that we haven't thought of uh on twitter or wherever you want to share your thoughts with us
0: and if danny decides to publish the video in time in the youtube comments
1: i know that's coming as soon as i called you old <laughs> But you are, like, five years older than me, which is, like, you're ancient, basically. You're just, like, ancient. You are really going to offend everyone (laughs) with this (laughs) one. Oh, yes, yes. I love it, because I can say it now, because, like, in five years' time, I'm going to be the one being called ancient, so I'm making the most of it, okay?
0: Yeah, but someone who is, like, younger than you will call you ancient.
1: Yeah, but I look young. People think I'm 18. Oh, so
0: I look old. (laughs) Oh,
1: I I know you're old. (laughs) (laughs) I I just know you're old. (laughs) No, but like, I mean, this is just a really anecdotal experience from my life. My sister is five years younger than me, but when we are out and about doing whatever, people assume we are a couple because she looks older and I look younger. And I'm like, no she's five years younger than me and my sister (laughs) just adding that in there like and my sister like seriously so trampoline competitions were great fun everyone making the same assumptions i'm just like i want to swear at you right now but yeah so i'm I'm, i people assume i'm like 18 19 and i'm 25 which i like right now but when i get older i don't know i don't know what i'll look like because my dad's like he went gray at like 30 and he's like half bald so I may, I may go from looking like 18, 19 to suddenly looking like 50. <laughs> and yeah. with
0: that in tow, sources, saucy sources. Start yes. with you this time. Started with me last time, saucy sources.
1: Uh as as you can probably imagine, with with the whole episode, my first point is peer-reviewed. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yum. <Yep. laughs> Peer reviewed, getting a second opinion, at least a second opinion. Uh, on a source and the reason i say on a source is because if you have an opinion uh that's great but if it's just an opinion and you're using that as an as, as a source then you're just using an opinion like there is there is no no way to verify it it's 100 percent biased you can't not be biased if it's just like one one opinion uh, unless the piece has been sourced in which case you're sourcing a peer-reviewed article um so yeah that that would be my my point now i know there's different ways you could take that though
0: so my question is is the point of this is what does it mean is the meaning behind the word source but you've just gone and said how you think a source should be without defining what a source is so i'm gonna kind of poke back at you
1: yeah
0: around that so, so what is a peer-reviewed source? What is that actually, what is the meaning behind a peer-reviewed source?
1: Multiple people looking at the writing and either agreeing to disagree or agreeing on what's being said.
0: Okay, cool. Is that so, better? Yeah, that is a bit yeah. better. I, I think, so I've gone very different. I have just mm. described what it means to me. So I don't have a. Uh, there's no opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there
0: is, but there isn't. If that makes sense. there is always an opinion. So, um, for me, a source is the context of an idea, a piece of work, piece of media. It's, it's, it's the context behind it, like the, the, mm-hmm. an idea someone else's thoughts or ideas that caused a development of another idea. I'm actually just going through all my points because they all kind of... I don't like the use of
1: cause in there, but I see see where the narrative is going, but I'm not... mm, I don't know. I'm not sure because the the idea of it causes something I don't like um, because I don't think a source causes anything. I think it can influence, but I don't think it can cause
0: yeah yeah cause isn't quite the right word but it it provides a spark it's a spark because when i've so here's some context from me of like when i i think of something like the planning fallacy of like okay so that's a thing that's a thing that everyone talks about that we experience so let's learn more about it. And as I learn more about it and find more sources of information, that sparks the development of my idea. I'm not talking about citing sources, I'm talking about the source itself, the thought thoughts And so for me, it's maybe caused, an, it, it's a spark. It's like, ah, oh, this paper spoke about this and referenced this, 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 and this. I can dive into this, 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 and this. And it made me think about this. So it's kind of a seed or a spark of an idea. That's where I see sources as. I think we we differ so greatly on this one. I'm loving
1: it. Oh, no, my my head's just gone like... Yeah. Um. So... <sighs> This is literally what I'm thinking right now. So this has not been written down at all. Um, In my mind, currently what's going through it is sources this this is basically going to be an audio journal right now. Uh, so sources could be some sort of original idea, original belief. If it's an original belief, then it bases itself on prior belief. If it's based on prior belief, then it's going to be an accumulation of experiences. So does that mean a source is an accumulation of prior experiences, prior belief, and prior knowledge that can then either justify, critique, or synthesize whatever it is that you're choosing to do in the natural narrative that you're in if it is then it means a source isn't something that can be or isn't necessarily something that is tangible it is your perception on previous experiences in which case it relies on consciousness and your experience in in your conscious mind of what it is that you have done priorly priorly previously um and what you believe previously so a source doesn't need to be or may not need to be, again, I'm, like, speaking out loud here, a source may not need to be anything that you read, anything that you see. Um, It could be, but it doesn't need to be. It could be something that you feel. Could a source be something that you feel from an experience?
0: Ooh, 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 ooh. yes. (laughs) Yes, I think it can. I, I, I haven't, interestingly, as I look at all my notes, one thing that is going here is is i don't say i say context an idea i don't say something tangible with what i'm saying Mm. so nothing i say is tangible i've another point which kind of i think links here is breadcrumbs of an idea it's like the the journey before the context before Mm. sources aren't things they are contexts before like what you were just saying there and kind of riffing on of like that idea of Showing your workings—it's like, mm. hey, this is how I came to this thought, feeling, opinion, idea, um, blog, yeah. video, article, whatever it is. This is kind of like the showing your workings, which very few people like to do in maths. But yeah, neither did I. Um, but it's around like the journey to an idea, the breadcrumbs of an idea, the journey to an idea, the the sources that I'm thinking about is like it's context sources to summarize sources are context of an idea I prior
1: context yeah prior, prior context, context or yeah current
0: context it changes i think I, I, don't, whole... I don't think
1: a source could be a current context
0: no it is a prior no you are right yeah, a, su- yeah, a source needs
1: to be ba- based in the past
0: a prior context yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's very, okay, uh, outside
1: it's that. pouring down with rain yeah and, and f- for those that are interested that's basically what my audio journal sounds like <laughs> but normally a little bit longer because uh, i would normally riff a little bit longer but yeah um yeah i'm looking at my other points and i'm like they they're all very not tangible so i've got empirical anecdote and anecdotal they could be either uh which sort of supports the idea that it can be an experience it's an experience of empirical or anecdotal uh i guess other experiences because essentially a a piece of research is people's experience doing something noted down in numbers and words so yeah and verifiable how would you verify an experience you can't verify an experience that goes into consciousness that's so annoying that is so annoying (laughs) because
0: i love these like like just to step up beyond the conversation i love these this is why i think we do it this is the reason why because we have our own thoughts and and going back to last week's episode where where you challenged me on that idea of like when do you share it's like i think this is why we share in this context because Mm -hmm. what i'm hearing is there's a huge shift in what you wrote down and what you said (laughs) it's quite a shift because it's a because because what, you, what I'm hearing and what you're talking about is how you think sources should be, not what sources are, mm. which is a it's... different question.
1: So, like, I've, I've written down what, I, get, I guess what they should be, but I've written down words that I think make something a source, which, yeah, is what it should be, but I still have the... What I'm going through in my head, like, speaking out loud now... Was in my head because obviously it had to be in my head. I I can't just bring something out. Um, but it's putting a different, it's bringing a different perspective on the words that I'm used because like like empirical and anecdotal, I didn't associate with past experiences and prior beliefs. That that wasn't a link that I had made. So I'm making links with the words that I'm using as we're going through this section, which I mean, it it like it's the whole of like, all of the episodes um but yeah because verifiable you can't verify a past experience without consciousness i I think
0: it is imperatively verifiable it is you've had an experience it just is it's verified it's your experience it
1: is how how do you know you've had that experience
0: because i'm aware it's awareness like for me it's like i am aware of that oh, 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 oh oh this is fun i don't know
1: Amnesia. I'm just going to go there. Yeah, Amnesia. No, that,
0: that, that's where I went as well. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. But if I haven't had the experience, but someone else has lived that experience, have I? Li- is that still my experience? Yeah, it's fascinating.
1: Because then you're looking at memory. How does how do, how is memory and also memory impacting?
0: Com- yeah, memory is completely incorrect.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So if if your memory is part of consciousness and self who you are and your experiences memory is then therefore directly related to sources which we kind of already knew anyway um but it does mean that sources are memory sources are memories of experiences maybe maybe that is my my new meaning of sources
0: (laughs) yeah I mean, quite frankly, I don't have any more to say on that. Like, most of my points link to that idea of like,
1: yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got how they got there, like how how they got to the point that they're at. But again, that's using prior prior beliefs, prior experiences. Like, what what path did you take through your experiences to get to the point you are at? And then I got. Context. Oh yeah. And then I got yeah. why they are sharing. So, like the motive, like why are they, why, why are the sources useful in the context uh, that you're in? Or why aren't they useful in the context you're in? Like, wh- what is the purpose of the source in this context? Because, as we know with the note taking, we can have a source, a, a note, or a memory of something that's applicable in multiple contexts. Yeah, sources, memories. Yeah, and then my last point was neutral, but source it, and I. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. I, I,
0: I don't think we've had quite an experience like this before, where basically, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's 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 not even it's not even like a it's not even like a a, a flip of like opinion. No, it's just I'm in a different like using my galaxies thing, like I'm just on a different planet. Like I, yeah. I had this planet and I've just created this other planet over here. <laughs> and then okay. you,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's going back to our context episode of like hmm. how context shifts, depending on where we are and, and context is the fertile void of awareness and blah, 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 blah. blah Watch the last episode. But like your your figure, the focus, the spotlight has moved for you. Which has meant the. Conflict. I'm
1: I'm I'm in a completely different like county where the stage is. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I haven't moved like stage. I've just like I've I've picked up everything, dumped it elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and it's like all of that stuff you had before the conversation. I I'd be really intrigued for you to listen to yourself. I'm going to like for the whole of the episode and then refl- like share a reflection on that. I I want to know even if you don't share it publicly. That is fascinating.
1: Yeah, let, let us know if you want to hear my, my thoughts on my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. and, and I'm going to tell you I want to hear your thoughts on your thoughts for the next episode. I'm intrigued now to understand.
1: Should we do that as a next episode?
0: Yeah, let's do a reflection episode because we're kind of nearing to the end of the year. Like, let's look back over every one of our episodes and what's changed.
1: I'm not going to be able to listen to all of our episodes <laughs> before next week.
0: <laughs> oh, we have two weeks, don't we? Because I'm away next week.
1: Yeah, I know. That's what I said. Like, oh, okay, okay. It's a weekend. When I had next week, I was thinking like next recording. session, next yeah. one. So we've yeah. got
0: two weeks. So I think that's what we'll do. We'll that's our next episode. I think.
1: Yeah, Re- reflecting on season two startup. It's, yeah. it's probably going to be a little bit of a longer episode, though. Maybe two parts. Well, let, let us know. Let us know.
0: Yeah, let um, us know if you are interested to see how our perceptions have shifted since we recorded them. And
1: That's actually a really interesting point. Because obviously my audio journals I leave them afterwards and when I talk about something on the pod on this podcast I will listen to the section I was like actually I want to go through that so I, I do listen back to our podcast but normally like sections of not all of um uh, this one I'll probably listen to most of uh, but when I'm doing my audio journals I do my audio journal which is like a couple hours later but then I also reflect on all of those blogs when I go through the notes my weekly review which is my podcast and I also reflect on them when I'm going through them in the notes themselves but I don't reflect on these reflections again. Like I've done the one, that's it. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how much opinions have changed or stayed the same. Yeah. Or just shifted. Mm. I'm on a different planet now. I've, I've, I've created a new planet.
0: <laughs> that's
1: a scary thing. <laughs> I, I do it all the time in my mind.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. It's great. It's fascinating. We're going to leave it there now. Bye.